Next, I'm talking to Edwin, a.k.a. Mutant Vinyl, about a song called Faux Rodeo. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. How did you do with the lockdown? Did you get any writing done? You know what? It's been um, it's been pretty hit and miss. Some days, feeling super creative. Other days, the last thing on my mind, I've just kind of cocooned in a, in a duvet and wallowing in, you know, 
just the madness of what's going on. Hmm. But yeah, some days the opposite, so it's very hit and miss for sure. Okay, in a minute we're going to listen to Faux Rodeo. Can you tell us the story behind the song and is it part of an album or an EP or is it a standalone single? Yeah, it was part of an EP that came out in um, March on Merseyside label um, Clean Music and um, the EP is called A Year of Autumn, which is kind of like the vibe of the track and the EP is just that feeling of being kind of stuck in one season and not being able to get out of it. And with lockdown, that's kind of felt pretty apt, actually. The song's kind of about like false idols and it's pretty political, but it, yeah, it's kind of, kind of that sense of like, you know, you're reading things in the tabloids and kind of making your mind up about them off the back of that. And that's mm. maybe not the best way to go about how you find your opinions and live your life. Very true. Okay. How long have you been writing and recording music? As me to vinyl since about 2011. So yeah, like nine years ago. That's crazy. Yeah, that's scary to say, but that's kind of on and off. You know, I, I started that when I was in first year at uni. So there, there's obviously some some periods when I wasn't writing loads of music for that. But um, yeah, since about 2015, I've been releasing it properly into touring as, as an artist and kind of slowly building up who I am. That's probably the best way to do it because a lot of people, they take a long time to do it and they stay. But other ones who go flash overnight, they don't last. So it's probably a good thing. Yeah, and there was no, I never had really an end goal of like, this is what I have to do or I've failed. So everything that I've done has kind of been step by step naturally happened. And that's that's felt kind of, more enjoyable really because I've always been surprised by when something good happens I've not been like oh I have to sell a thousand records by the end of next month you know what I mean good stuff okay tell us about your influences when you were growing up and musical ones and how they changed over the years and is there one that stayed with you the whole time Massive Attack probably was my biggest influence in terms of the Mutant Vinyl project yeah just because I, I love the kind of multi-genre sound of, of all these influences, you know, reggae, punk, hip-hop, soul. Um, and I always wanted to keep that ethos alive and, and just make sure the music was never really kind of pigeonholed into a genre. Yeah. Sorry, it's raining really loudly. I don't it's okay. Hear that. I can, it sounds lovely. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's on my, my Velux window right now, so I apologise for that. That's all right. That's, <laughs> no um, South London weather for you. <laughs> But my kind of hero was, was Prince. Prince was, mm. you know, as a performer and as an all-round artist, Prince was kind of my hero. And I always thought I need to make sure when I play live that my live show is entertaining as, as his, or 1% as entertaining as his. And I'd be happy. I like that. Cool. It's just, yeah, big shame that was. Uh, okay. Oh, this, terrible. But this year's, oh, I mean, how many people have died this year from non-COVID-related things? I mean, it's a lot of celebrities. I know. Ridiculous. What are your upcoming plans in the immediate future? Do you have any gigs planned or do you have any um, other music videos that we can look at? Or do you do Insta Live or Facebook Live videos? Yeah, I've done, I've done a couple of the streaming things, but to be honest, I've, I found it quite difficult to make the music kind of come across as um, as it does live, obviously with a full band and big subby basses and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I've got, I'm going to have some music coming out either in December or at the start of next year, a couple of tracks with um, some pretty special vocalists on actually. Um, and then, I mean, all the, all the gigs and all the touring and all the festivals every other month gets pushed back another three months. So mm. the, the shows in November that we're having are now in, in April. But, I mean, I'm here and there might not even be gigs for festivals next summer. So gig-wise, playing it by ear, booking things, but, you know, not believing it until it happens. <laughs> Can you tell us about these special vocalists or is this a secret? I mean, I, I can say one, one is, is Lee Scratch Perry. Right. The reggae vocalist. I've got a dub track with him on, um, and I've got my friend Claudia, who's 
who's normally a musical theatre West End vocalist. She's been in like School of Rock and a kid and shows like that, but I've got her doing this really beautiful Erica Badu esque sub vocal mm. on a kind of drum and bassy vibe. So yeah, I'm stepping away from vocals a little bit on those two, but it was it was kind of just hanging out in lockdown and making newer stuff without the pressure. I kind of thought, oh actually I'm gonna I'm gonna really go for the mass attack vibe and get some some vocal talent on these. Excellent stuff. I like that. Thank you. Tell us about all of your social media handles and your links so we can find you. It's, I'm, I'm quite lucky because the name's quite weird. So it's all at Eaton Bynum. If you put that in anywhere, you will find me. Um, no one else has taken that name because it's a bit, a bit ridiculous. But yeah, that's one benefit of having a weird name for sure. I love that. I, I love it when people have simple ones. So much easier. Is there anything else you want to tell us or mention before we play the song? Yeah, I hope you enjoy the tunes and... Um, Big, big up this radio station, big up community radio and stuff like that. It's so important. And I think during this madness, we've come to realise how special and important these things are. Radio, art, music, you know. So mm. just big up to all the creatives and the people making it happen. Stay safe. <laughs> Thank you. You got no uh, merchandise to sell or anything like that? There's merch or just, just reach out to me if you want a cheap cheap vinyl t-shirt. I can do a little do a little deal, <laughs> a little COVID deal, you know. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love, I've got this new slogan for next year, COVID deals. <laughs> <laughs> COVID specials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, oh my God. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. Thank you very much, man. And if, uh, if you want some vinyl, I'll send it over to the studio or wherever. Excellent. I love it. Thank you so much. Do you want to introduce your song? My name's Edwin, aka Mutant Vinyl, and this song is called Faux Rodeo.
Next, I'm talking to Myrina about Before the Sun. Hello, how are you? Hey, man. Uh, thanks for having me. That's that's really cool. Oh, thanks for coming on. How you been? Good, good. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, Austin, uh, <laughs> this year hasn't really been anything particularly, any, no one can really say it's amazing. So, yeah, holding up and uh, trying to, to put out some, some music that's meaningful to me and keep staying in that sense. It's been working for me. It's a good strategy. Good. I always ask people how they'd done with the lockdown. Did they get much writing done? And most artists have. So did you get much writing done? Not really, but a lot of recording. Yeah, a lot of recording. Yeah, yeah. but not really, not really writing. <laughs> I haven't been inspired at all. But, but I mean, you know this, right? There's a lot of hard work. You know, it's just not only inspiration. So I've tried to take advantage of the extra, extra, extra infinite hours and and just lay them lay the track you're making music that's the most important part okay in a minute we're going to listen to before the sun can you tell us the story behind the song and is it part of an album an ep or is it a standalone single it's um the third single that i release here in the uk i'm not from the uk i'm from brazil sao paulo brazil as i'm sure you will never figure out by listening to the music Uh, sounds nothing like Brazil, but uh, well, in a sense, it does. If I mean, if you if you can hear the overtones, maybe it does. But yeah, it's the third single of an album that I'm putting together. That the album is called Weird All the Time. Hmm. Then I release I release a single called Weird All the Time. Then a, a B side called Bad Guy, and then now a, a single called Before the Sun, which we're about to listen. And uh, I was hoping to have the record properly done by by this month, but of course, it didn't work because, well, you know, the world has come to a complete stop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it's it's all part of an album. Yeah, my first solo album. Yeah, good stuff. How long have you been writing and recording music? I've been ever well. I think ever since I was a teenager. I mean, I started I started recording music when I was. 12, 13, 14, uh, and I mean, on a, on a tiny recorder, you know, like uh, writing music, I've always loved this. Yeah, I, I never studied it, never went to school for it, but I wanted to do it. And I think I wrote bad music for like maybe 10 or 15 years, and then it started to get good. Hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think now I think it's, it's the best stuff I've ever written. I'm really glad about it. 
That's it. I mean, if you're an artist and you can't be proud of something that you've done, there's no point in doing it. I felt different about the songwriting. I've, there, there used to be a time where I, I, first I, w- I would hate everything that I would write, and then I would love, but it sucked, but I loved it. <laughs> now I love it, and it sounds good. Ah, good. Third phase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. Who were your musical influences when you were growing up? How have they changed over the years, and is there one that stayed with you the most? Wow, that's good. Uh, I'm a 90s person, 90s, 90s kid. So the whole bunch, the whole MTV generation, all those things. I, I've, I mean, to be honest, the first, well, I think they're quite respected in, in the UK, so I can say. <laughs> but the first band that I fell in love with, it was Faith No More. Okay, yeah. I went crazy with those guys. I mean, I, I just, and then, and then after them, a lot of, other bands but still love them still listen to them from time to time but it i really like a a whole different a lot of different genres i'm not i mean i i I love duke ellington Hmm. i love faith no more metallica i love nick drake british artist i love him i love frank sinatra i'm crazy about frank sinatra it's always changed new people started to make sense to me and uh, some of them, I, I, I dropped them on the way. I truly believe that there's only two types of music, like good and bad. And sometimes it's okay if you like the bad kind. It's no problem. You don't need to only like the good stuff. So I'm, I'm pretty free in terms of who I listen to and what I'm into. If it makes sense, then it makes sense. I would go a little further because sometimes I know the music is bad, but I like it and I don't feel guilty. I mean... I mean, I like it. I mean, don't you like it? Like McDonald's is, you know, shitty food, but well, sometimes I'll I'll have a burger, you know. It's and people usually like it, and they know it's it's not it's bad quality. I mean, we don't. I mean, we don't. I I don't think we have to push ourselves to only like the good stuff all the time. Mm. But as you said, it's all it's all very subjective. But I I think sometimes it's healthy to agree that yeah yeah I like this band they're quite shitty in a sense, but I like them. Or, well, I know this artist is really respected and like, well, now I'm going to be very, now I'm not going to be controversial, but... Go, 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 go on, go on, go on. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, sh- I'm sure that Radiohead is a great band. Yeah. I, I know this for sure. I know it. I don't like it. I mean, <laughs> I've never liked it. <laughs> I shouldn't have said this, but... That's fine. Uh, especially in Britain. I mean, and I know people go crazy over those guys, and uh, and and I can see they're very, they're very good. But I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, it doesn't cut it for me, you know. And uh, it's fine. I think I think we should be a little bit more free in terms of music, especially the artists, you know, to to allow themselves to. Yeah, I mean, it's fine if you like it. It's okay if you don't. There's a lot of a lot of stuff, you know. Just pick and choose. Life goes by too fast for us to keep like trying to put on this great image of our taste and and i mean it's just sound you know it's just music it's just waves it's hmm. just sonic waves so just enjoy it while you can <laughs> it's interesting you said frank sinatra because i always loved a bit of frank and i always loved dean martin as well it's interesting cool yeah he's 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 quite good too and uh well the whole bunch there uh red pack right yeah was dean martin the red pack he was right yes yes, yes. yeah yeah they, they were amazing but i think frank is an unbeatable he's just oh my god oh by the way another big influence on me was michael jackson which 
people are trying to run to the ground and <laughs> and trying to have me stop liking him, which is never going to happen. I love him. Good music, man. It's like a lot of people can do a lot of shitty things and bad things and not give me thriller, you know? <laughs> so at least he gave me thriller. So the world's full of crazy, destructive, fucked up people who will never write a good song. Now we're going to have a word from our sponsor, McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> and as for Radiohead, yes, I liked the first two albums. I didn't like the stuff after that because it was different. It was it, They tried to do something which worked for a load of people, but it didn't work for me. So yeah. I understand what you're saying there. The first two albums I did like, but the rest I didn't. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and it's fine, really. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the guys in the band, they're probably really fine with you not liking it or me not liking it. They could care less, you know. Yeah. It seems like you're not allowed to not like something as sanctimonious and great and and cool and edgy and and it's fine, man. I mean, you don't, you know, like it's usually journalists, right, hmm. who have this kind of like they want to hold up the standard and oh my god, this is um, dude, it's music. Some people will like it, some people will not like it. Try to have fun, try to have good times with it. You know, you put it in the world. Whatever happens, happens have absolutely no control over what's going to happen with your music there's nothing i mean you can apply yourself you can talk to people you can put write good music you put it in the world and then people will just make of it whatever they can or they will or they want to i firmly believe that most bands failure or success has little to do with them as people and and it's just a bunch of different forces that the stars align or the stars never align and or maybe the stars align 50 years later like nick drake hmm. what gets me is the what people try to attach to musicians you know this kind of divinity hmm. one thing i remember about tom york was that he a lot of people like rock bands and stuff like that after a big gig they go and they party don't they well i remember one time tom york said that well, after a big gig he's so buzzed he goes and sits on a bus and takes a ride <laughs> Just to wind down. That's great. I mean, I already like him a little better now. <laughs> <laughs> He's always come across as like kind of like a, too like a heady, like over, you know, like super intellectual, super artsy fartsy. But maybe that's what people make of his work, you know. And and the, the, as I told you, like the fans can, uh, you know, there's a where in Brazil there's a there's a very uh, cool saying. I love to translate Brazilian sayings. Mm. They say it's like, well, Jesus is a great guy, but the fans suck, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not exactly Brazilian, but it's very common to say this there. I love that. And uh, sometimes it happens with artists, you know. You have a great artist, and but the following kind of like, oh my God, I can't stand this guy, hmm. you know. Like you, you like Tom Tom York too much, man, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's the same with all artists, isn't it? I mean, like you say, the divinity, it, it, it's going to happen. I mean, you might say you love, I don't know who, like Lemmy might be your favorite, and I'll say Jim Morrison, but they're both iconic. So, you know, it's... That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, I mean, it, well, the one thing is, like, with artists that I just mentioned, like Michael Jackson and Frank Sinatra, I'm pretty sure they were douche bags in their own way. Yeah. And they were, you know, not the... I mean, you don't have to like people's music and think that they're amazing in every aspect of human existence you know that's my point i mean hmm. it's just maybe maybe the guy who writes great songs is kind of an asshole and uh well 
you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's enough for you to stop liking his music or the other way around as well. You know, I'm not going to like someone's music just because they're a good guy, you know? Yeah. So it's it's really weird. But there's one exception, though. The one guy I can't really listen to because I feel kind of guilty. I see a lot of people like support uh, listening to his music. And I, it always gives me the creeps is Charles Manson, man. I can't listen to his stuff. <laughs> That's the one guy I don't go. That's why I draw the line. <laughs> you can be an asshole, but you can't plot to kill people. As a society, we research and we listen and we're too invested in the lives of the artists we listen to. I think it's better if we do not know anything about their private lives. Couldn't agree with you more. It's like you already have this perspective from the artist. He's hmm. already given you so much. He's giving you his melody, his voice, his heart, his poetry. Why do you want to know more? <laughs> no, why? I mean, it, this is like you go to a restaurant and the guy cooks this great meal. And then, okay, but who cooked it? I want to talk to this guy. I want to see if his, how he treats his wife hmm. and he, if he's a good father. It doesn't matter, man. Just enjoy the meal. <laughs> Just come back, support the business, eat out to help out. You know, it doesn't really matter if the if the chef is a great guy, does it? That is true. But in terms of the artist, no, the guy has to be perfect. Oh, oh, ten years ago he called someone something, and now I don't like, and now I'm I'm gonna burn his records. Oh my god, that's a little bit overreacting, isn't it? When I was younger, I used to always love to know. Oh, what did they do? What did they see? What did they, you know, what did they say? What's this picture about? But as I got older, I was like, same thing. I just, I don't really care anymore. I mean, yeah. if I know something about someone, it's not going to, like you say, it's not going to change unless they're a murderer or a rapist or something. It's not going to change the way you look at their music. You, you hit the nail on the head there. Unfortunately, I don't think a lot of people go through that getting mature. You know, <laughs> they don't really grow. They just, they just go to a certain age and they. I mean, they go, they stay forever at that age and they still see the world the same thing, the same way they saw when they were 17. That can't be good. <laughs> what are your upcoming plans in the near future? Do you have any gigs coming up or any new releases apart from the one we're talking about? And do you have any music videos we can check out? There's an amazing video that uh, a guy here in London, his name is Rafael Aflalo. He's a Brazilian uh, motion designer, illustrator, he just put together this amazing video for Before the Sun. 90% hmm. of it was from uh, NASA's very own uh, official footage, you know, of space. And it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's an I'm so humbled and thankful for him for that. If you can, just check it out. It's really amazing work. Yeah, I have this video and then I have a, a previous one for Weird All the Time that was shot here in London. I've been here for almost two years now. When I got here, the first seven to eight months, I think I was a, a bit unlucky in terms of the people I ran into. Hmm. And they would tell me like the most off the walls, crazy things. And I compiled all these things that I heard during that period into a video. There's a very ref reflective vibe. I'm on the phone in a typical London, you know, phone booth and i'm talking to someone and and the subtitles are all the sentences all the things these crazy people told me during my first seven to eight months here in london mm. one of the phrases is uh a guy that i met from italy and he he was pissed off and he was he told me that he he was able to write one don't look back in anger a week <sighs> and i was like <laughs> 
what do you mean by that? <laughs> I mean, he was resentful, you know, that he that he'd been here for twenty years and it really things musically had had not really happened the way he thought they would. And and this was his card up his sleeve. And that was this that I, I can write one down look back in anger a week. And and I said, My God, this kind of attitude doesn't really look good on the guy who actually wrote Don't Look Back in Anger. <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about chord progression or the lyrics? You can't be maybe you don't know what it means. I mean to write a song or or what that song meant to people or, and still means it's yeah. a great song i love it and uh anyway so it's kind of, that kind of absurd nothing there is made up it's all true quotes from strangers or people i thought maybe would become my friends so yeah check those videos out and yeah my plans are to finish my record and have it by next year it's a 10 track record it's going to be called Weird All the Time. And I'm going to stop releasing singles now for a while. Hmm. So I'll just have these three singles as a warm-up to the to the record. And I don't know, people have really liked what they've heard, and I'm really excited. I'd, I'm producing it myself. I'm, I'm doing it at my own pace, you know. So there's no pressure. There's just, uh, I don't know, man, I'm just having fun and connecting, like, because of because of the music I've I've been releasing, I've been able to now finally run into very interesting people in London, like yourself. I'm here talking to you. It's great mm-hmm. because I moved here with like not for an experience, just I moved my life here. I changed my life. I, I live here now, mm-hmm. so I needed to to establish like. A, I mean, we're social beings, right? We need you need people. I I, I don't have uh, much expectation. Because I don't think you should when you put out music. You know, just should you just do your best, show it to people, put it in the world, make it manifest in the world, do it as gracefully and as beautifully as you can, and then whatever happens happens. And I'm just grateful to to have these songs be doorways to cool programs, cool people, cool experiences, and that's it. Hmm. I love that video idea with the, the the subtitles. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, make sure you you watch that. It's really interesting. It was it was my my way of kind of artistically getting back at all those people that drove me crazy for seven months. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, well, it was just like a mix of rudeness, arrogance. I felt like when you come to a new place, you can either have people welcoming you or kind of threatening you in a passive aggressive way, you know, like, mm. oh, you don't know nothing about this down, kiddo. You know, this this is not how it's done here. I've been here for and and I think some people can be affected by it. Thank God I have a surreal level of confidence. Mm. I just watched and I questioned and I said, Well, yeah, this guy's a jerk. Don't listen to him. <laughs> yeah, no, this guy's full of himself. You know, and I just kept going. This is the way for any true artist, you know, just keep going, man. If people say you're amazing, thank them and keep going. It doesn't really matter. If they say you suck, you don't need to thank them, but just keep going anyway, you know. Mm. I mean, just just do, man. Just do what you have to do. That's always been helpful to me. So many people that are afraid of competition, I think, that so they try and put you off. Yeah, this uh, happens all the time. Yeah, I think that happens too, yeah. Okay, give us all of your social media links and your handles wherever you might be so we can find you. Well, I'm on Spotify, Mm. M-A-I-R-E-N-A, and you can look me up on Instagram as well. It's the same thing, Myrena, but instead of an I, it's number one, so Mm M-A-1-R-E-N-A. And then on Facebook, yeah, pretty much all around. 
very findable. Quite a rare name, especially with the one. It's not a very common name, but there's a lot of lot of Myrenas around the world. Okay. Is there anything else you want to mention or tell us about before we play the song? This song is about venturing out into space and uh, maybe there's a sense of trying to find better things in one's life. It's a cosmic interpretation of an inner quest. Hmm. People have the right to interpret it anyway. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really nice talking to you. Hey, man, I love this. Love this. Thanks, Austin. Thank you. Great, great show. Looking forward to hearing it. It's amazing that we have people that love music this much to pay attention. That's it. People who pay attention are a rare breed. And uh, thanks for paying attention, man. Oh, thanks for being there. I'm a musician myself, so it's I know how hard it is at the moment, especially. Yeah, there's a lot of people that just can't get heard. So it's, it's one of them things you have to step up and do something about it. That's great. That's great that... That some people will do that. That's that's beautiful. And but but it takes a lot of love, you know, because it's I know it's a lot of work. Just just being a musician is a lot of work. And then finding the inspiration in yourself to look around and, and I, I can I can tap into that because I I have this this feeling of a little bit of myself. Maybe I'm too lazy. I'm not as dedicated as you, but <laughs> I, I think it's a beautiful thing that when you're able to be a musician, to be an artist, but also to understand that artists need a platform and who better to to give them the platform if not the artists right themselves so that's really cool thank you do you want to introduce your song i am myrena and this is before the sun Mostly dead but still alive Hey you behind the moon Hey you chasing all those stars Is it too dark to fly back home? Are we too young to freeze in Mars? Hey you sitting on the truth Kicking all those lies Could you ever trust anyone? Well, we all have something to hide Hey, you clearly fleeing the scene Hey, you mercury bound Is it hard to shine a light When the sun's too close around? But still alive Hey you 
Next up, I'm talking to Alistair, Billy and Joe from Shattered Chains about humanitarian. Hello, guys. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. How are you? How are you? I'm okay. How did you do with the lockdown? Did you get any writing or recording done? We half did humanitarian before lockdown, and um, we managed to finish it off June by doing stuff in our own houses with logic and stuff. Hmm. But we also just started working on a new track, Born to be Mourned, as well, which uh, will be out some point within the next month hopefully. I love that. So we are still working, but obviously you are just so limited, unfortunately. I love that track, that name, Born to be Mourned. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. great. Right. Tell us about the song Humanitarian, because we're going to listen to it in a minute. Tell us the story behind it, and is it part of an album or an EP, or is it a standalone single? It's a single at the moment. We're hoping to do an EP with Humanitarian and Born to be Mourned uh, in the future, and a couple of other, our other tracks. Humanitarian, a lot of my songwriting just comes from um, just pure ranting, really. Mm. I think I've just got a bit annoyed about stuff going on with uh, a lot of attitude towards mental health and uh, a lot of the sort of, because it's, it's sort of a two-sided thing and I think there's a lot of bias towards it and there's a lot of people that may take things because it's, it's just, it's a very open debate. I don't know, it was just a bit of a weird track for me to write. It sort of come out of ramblings of that, basically, which is why I come up with the name Humanitarian. It was just more about people rather than actual, because I'm more about political writer, really. I write about things going on. It's a bit of a weird one because it's a lot of the songs are political, but that one's more about your mental space, I suppose, at the point of writing the song, which is an interesting one for us. It's interesting. It is interesting because um, mental health is most, at the moment, is more important than it's ever been. Uh, especially since we've just had Mental Health Day, International Mental Health Day. Yeah, a lot of people are suffering from depression and anxiety and other things. And it's not being talked about enough. It needs to be talked about. And, and there's a lot of people actually writing about it. So I'm glad that you are doing that. It's really cool. There's a lot of people affected by this lockdown as well. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, most of my songs came from, you know, I might have like a little bit of a panicky moment or like if I had a really rough day and I just completely shut off, I'd just end up writing the whole song and I wouldn't even know what I've written. Most of the time, I'll just go back and I'll read it. I'll go, oh, my God, look at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'll just say, right, lads, here, have that. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. Because I'm long-term sufferer here from depression and anxiety, so I get that. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about the other song, the story behind the other one, the new one coming out, Born to be Mourned. Born to be Mourned, it was about political greed, really. Because we live in London, and I grew up in North London, and we had I've known about Stavik all my life. I think from the young, we've heard about it in schools, my school was quite bad for it sometimes, actually. And it just, it came into my head that it's just getting a bit ridiculous now. It's getting out of hand and it's so two-sided. And then you've got the mm. involvement with the police as well. And people are against stop and search. But at the same time, how else are we meant to deal with the situation? It's just, yeah. it's such it's such a weird thing to be happening. And it's, it's quite, it's concerning because I've got younger brothers as well. And I wouldn't want to have kids in London. Mm. If I ever had a family, I'd move out. It's almost a weird world to bring up your kids in, in a sense. That's why... You're being born into mourning, as the song says. Parents are going to outlive you. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. It is true though, because um, my son's seven at the moment. My daughter's older, but my son's seven, and I'm, we were talking about this every day about how he's going to be growing up in this new world. Everything's changing. <sighs> yeah, it's it's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It is. And it's like you remember the old um, 1984, the books, and um, yeah, yeah, it's a very yeah. dystopian, post-apocalyptic style. That's what it's going to be like. It's going to be like Mad Max eventually. Yeah, maybe. 
I mean, we we were talking about last night when we're out. We uh, had quite a funny topic about how like they're literally making robots to replace the minimum wage jobs now. Yeah, there's literally just been a robot that fast food places can buy for two thousand pounds that does a job of a minimum wage worker, which is like that shows you the world we're living. If you talk about like future and that, you know. Yeah. This is the problem. There's not enough jobs to go around, and there's going to be less. There's going to be more murders, more depression, more more crime because of it, just to save a few pounds. It's, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Corporate always wins. That's it. And there's a major company. I'm not going to say the name because I'll get in trouble for it. But um, yeah. they're going to start using drones to replace delivery drivers. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's ridiculous. It's Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Jeff Bezos. <laughs> they're going to buy a warehouse just for parking space. That's ridiculous, isn't it? All right. Individually, tell us about how long you've been writing and recording music and how long have you been a band? Uh, so we've been a band for just under two years, pretty much. When you say how long you've been together, I'd say it's hard to say that these last six months really count, you know, like, like, cause I think the actual grind was done over the year before and that's where like we were, you know, but yeah, we've been together for just under two years. Gigging through most of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's our main thing. Like gigging. I think it just, it's, there's no other feeling like it. And I think we all, we all regularly just phone each other up and be like, man, I just really miss it. You know, mm. so it's, it's sad. I think it's that adrenaline that you get from nothing else. But we used to just work on tracks in terms of someone will come in with an idea into the rehearsal rooms, put it forward, people will add on to it. Yeah, that's how you But obviously we can't do that now. Hmm. Mm. That's a shame, yeah. I mean, a lot of the time I'm using, <laughs> at the moment I'm using Logic as well. And um, we transfer a lot and you Google Drives and stuff like that because obviously we've got to record these things at the moment because we can't have anyone in the studio. So that's what I've been doing all the time as well. So yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's a lot of time waiting around for everyone to uh, get files in. Yeah. And then you've got to record it. But yeah, it's a nightmare. But as you say, it's the only way to do it at the moment. Unfortunately. Okay. Tell us about any upcoming plans you've got, like little gigs here and there or online live shows, anything like that, or new releases, apart from the new release you've got. We're really just waiting for that point that we can get straight back in a venue again. I mean, I, I booked a gig, like during lockdown, I popped up to one of my mates who promotes a show that we regularly play, Sonic Rebellion. I asked him when's your next planned show and he said oh, i'm doing february <laughs> so i booked us in for february it's not great but you know um at the time it was the most likely thing to happen but honestly i think for a band like us that play very intimate shows you know metal as well i think we just need that fully fledged venue to be back we can't play yeah we can't play social distance gigs i think that started for a little bit but it's sort of stopped now people doing that as well yeah you can't really mosh separately can you no <laughs> that's the unfortunate thing if i'm so sure if i'm in a crowd i'm just throwing my arms around there's no one to like throw my arms out i'm gonna be a bit bit, bit busted there <laughs> That's the issue. I think that's where that's where the adrenaline comes from as well. It's the engagement, if anything, you know. No. Okay. Who have been your influences in music? How have they changed over time? And is there one that's always been with you? Ooh, I, well, we all I, listen to different types of music. Yeah, I mean, so. I grew up in a garage family. My parents were garage ravers, so hmm. that was my first influences when I was really young. And then I started getting into punk music, Sex Pistols, and that. Um, which I've got my stage name, Billy Anarchy, mm. which I've stuck with since I first started getting into writing music, actually, from 13. Mm. He's literally written in my contacts as Billy Anarchy. <laughs> People in college thought my name was An my last name was Anarchy for ages because I never spoke oh, of yeah, my I actual last that. name. I remember <laughs> Cool. Until a tutor said it and they went, huh, what? <laughs> yeah, but, um, I wish. yeah, I've listened to loads of uh, 
different types. When I was younger, I used to, I was introduced to like Jimi Hendrix, uh, Led Zeppelin, all that, who I started on, bands like that. And then I started getting into like metal with like Metallica and Megadeth, and it kind of went more and more deeper into like into the metal. Hmm. That would be the same thing for me. I started out like my dad was a massive Finn Lizzy fan, and uh, I got massively into that. And obviously that he also introduced me to like like some Motorhead, Metallica. Van Halen, Eddie Passon. I think that's a massive inspiration for anyone that plays any sort of instrument that um, requires, you know, heavier and soloing. I think I think he's a massive inspiration to all of us, and that's a really sad one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that sort of led on to listening to heavier stuff. Obviously, I think you listen to that sort of what used to be the metal of its time, and then you like pr- progress into like the more modern stuff, and you realise that's sounds really heavy at the time and now and then i think you progress into it mm. but i think finn lizzie would definitely be the one that stuck with me mm. i don't think any band will ever be that for me it's interesting because a lot of people don't realize led zeppelin you could say led zeppelin were the first metal band because everything before that including cream and all those sort of things were blues based well mm. led zeppelin comes along and it's not blues based and it, i think they were the first heavy metal band it's interesting. It is, yeah. I mean, if you if you watch everything before that and everything after that, they're the ones that changed it, I think. Yeah, I'd say it's between them and Black Sabbath. When I got into metal, it was, the, it was kind of the extremity of it. Mm. Like the harshness of the vocals, I just had nothing like it before. I mean, I listened to the Sex Pistols and a bit of mullet here, but when you hear like deathcore and death metal and grindcore mm. and all that, it's like, fucking yeah. hell, mate. Yeah. Oh. I remember the first time I ever listened to something really heavy. It was uh, Sepultura Roots. Mm. I was, uh, this was, uh, yeah, yeah. this is when we still listened to CDs, which is just about our generation. Yeah. <laughs> I remember going into HMV and it was, I went, oh, I'll go into the metal section because at the time I thought I was listening to metal. <laughs> um, but it turns out I wasn't because I saw this really weird looking album cover, which was Roots. And I was like, right, I'll get that. It was on sale. And then I remember bringing it to the car and just getting the most horrific looks from people mm-hmm. walking past the car because there's some little kid in there listening to the, the, whatever this was. And I think from that moment, I was like, right, what other bands are like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of how I progressed from the earlier sort of rock metal stuff into that. Because I suppose that's the first one that has like extreme vocals in a sense, you know? It's interesting because... If I can't understand what the person's saying, I don't really get into it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. A lot of people do say that, and I do understand why. It's kind of, it's a weird thing. It's like, I mean, for me, I think it was just because it's so weird and distorted, it's like, you kind of want to know what he's saying. Like, I, I would go and look up lyrics, and if you listen to it for long enough, you kind of do clock onto what they're saying, unless yeah, a little bit. It's like with Viotta's murder, you actually know what he's saying. Yeah, yeah but yet he's got some of the most intense vocals in like the deathcore scene, you know? Mm. So it's a weird one. But it's, I mean, that's what I mean. A lot of them I can understand because like you say, if you listen to it long enough or you know what their, the vibe is, but there are some that I just cannot fucking understand the word they're saying. I'm thinking, what is the point of me listening to your music, which I can't understand what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they do it on purpose just to be controversial. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like, I mean, death metal is kind of like shock rock, really. Yeah, but that's what I mean. But if you're not shocking me by telling me to fuck off, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, true, true. I can't understand what you're saying. <laughs> Have you got any music videos we can look at online? Uh, we've got live videos. Mm, that'd be. So it, it'll just be on YouTube channel, just Shattered Chains. It should be the first one that comes up. I'm pretty sure it is when I've tested that. We've got uh, two live videos of us playing. Mm. 
and then all, all the other stuff's available on streaming platforms like in terms of actual studio stuff mm-hmm. excellent all right give us all of your social media handles where are you across platforms it's usually shatterchains.band mm. if you are looking on streaming platforms it'll literally just be shatterchains mm-hmm. pretty simple to find i like that yeah okay is there anything else you want to mention or tell us about before we play the song you got any merch or anything like that we do have merch we have just t-shirts out at the moment but we are going to bring out some more stuff different variations and there will also be i know like jumpers as well added to it but at the moment there's just t-shirts and we do have a in the links on our social media pages there will be a link to those websites with it on and you can also buy at shows but obviously that's not happening at the moment mm. Oh, I love a t-shirt. I'm collecting t-shirts now because everyone I speak to, I'll try and get one. That's great. So I'm going to check them out. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been really nice. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You too. Do you want to introduce your song? It's Humanitarian. Shattered yeah. Chains. Yeah. Yeah. By Shattered Chains. <laughs> <laughs>
Next, I'm talking to Max from Hello Operator about the choreographer. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm okay. How did you do with the lockdown? Did you get any writing and recording done? I've actually, yeah, I've got quite a lot done, which is um, one of the, I suppose, one of the gifts from having this amount of time spare. Yeah. So it's been quite useful, really. Okay, it's good. In a minute, we're going to talk about the choreographer. Can you tell us the story behind the song? And is it part of an album or an EP? Or is it a standalone single? It's uh, part of our upcoming debut album. Um, which is coming out at the start of next month. Yeah, the song, I mean, it's quite an old song, really. The band have been together for about five years, and um, I sort of wrote that at the beginning of our career, as it were. Hmm. Um, and it's one we've just held back for a long time because we, we, really, we didn't really know the time to release it, and we, it was never the right moment until, obviously, the album's now coming out, so we thought it'd be a great, obviously a great time to do it now. I find, like, I write a lot better when I'm hungover, which is quite a strange <laughs> thing. <laughs> And so it was one of these one of these moments when you just wake up and it's, it was the first thing I really struck on the guitar and it was and it just flew out from then. How long have you actually on your own been writing and playing and recording? I started writing when I was about nineteen, something like that. I was quite late to it really, um, but yeah, the band's been going yeah since about two thousand fourteen, something like that. Okay, good. It's quite a long time, really. Excellent stuff. It is now, yeah. Who were your musical influences when you were growing up? How have they changed over the years? And is there one that stayed with you this whole time? I've had a bit of a, a rocky one, really. When I was quite young, like sort of eight or nine, I was really into um, people like Ray Charles mm. um, and like quite soulful music, like Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday, I really love. Mm -hmm. And then as I sort of got into my teens, into sort of school years, I sort of fell out of... Well, I never was in love with music at that time. It was just around, you know... And then when I when I got into sort of school years, I was sort of coaxed into the whole the pop scene, I think, and I was I was very into that. So when I was like fifteen and stuff. I was like listening to Jason Derulo and all that. <laughs> and then yeah, like I said, there was a certain point I think when I was sort of eighteen, nineteen, where I started to listen to. I sort of reverted back to that old type of music that I used to love as a kid. Yeah, so I went from there after that, and I, I listened to a lot of stuff since then. And then I got really into the Black Keys was one of the uh, the big influences for starting the band. And yeah, went from there. It's interesting you say that because I have this conversation quite often with somebody who I know quite well that Jason Derulo has his name in every song he releases. I've never noticed it. <laughs> he does, yeah. It's some serious marketing, isn't it? Yeah, he does it. <laughs> he does it at the beginning of each song, don't he? I mean, that's one one way to do it, isn't it? <laughs> 
it's free. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> we might have to try it. What are your upcoming plans in the immediate future? Do you have any new releases coming out apart from you said about this album? But any music videos, any tours, any gigs, anything like that? Um, yeah, well, we're looking at doing a tour sometime early next year, obviously dependent on what happens. If we can do that, we're definitely going to do that in the UK. And obviously the, the immediate plan for us is, is getting the album out, which is coming out at the start of next month. So that's what we're really putting all our focusing into at the moment. Do you do live streaming, anything like that, like a Facebook Live, Instagram Live? No, we haven't actually done it before, but we're planning on doing something like that, especially around the, the time of the album release, because I think it's um, it's quite a useful thing now, obviously, when everyone's online. If you get it right, it is, it's, it's one of the things that a lot of people don't agree with. They don't think it's possible to do well, but some do it well. I think so, yeah, definitely. I think it's obviously about getting the right sort of sound of it and stuff, isn't it? But if you can make it work, I think it's definitely a, a beneficial thing to do. Most things are on our phones now. Like You've got a little four or five inch screen and you watch and listen to music on it you play games on it you watch videos on it so it's not the quality of the sound coming out of the machine that's wrong like it's the mach- it's what you put into it like you say so if you've got the gear and you've got the know-how i'm sure you can do it yeah i completely agree yeah i mean that's the whole the, the, your whole reality really is in front of a screen now isn't it so i guess the more quality content you can get on there i think it's better for everyone yeah absolutely okay give us all of your social media links and handles so twitter is hello underscore operator for Instagram, it's Hello Operator Band, mm-hmm. and Facebook. If you just type in Hello Operator, it, it should be there. Right. Is there anything else you want to mention or tell us about before we play the song? The album is coming out on the thirteenth of November, so make sure to pre-order it. It's all over our socials and stuff, and we hope you like it. Excellent. I'm sure they will. Oh, thank you so much for chatting today. It's been really cool. No problem. Thanks for having me. Do you want to introduce the song? I'm Max from Hello Operator, and this is a song called The Choreographer. Yeah. 
dark in the light, the stone in the tide. I'm the wind in the world, when my demons arise and dance in my mind. I'm the choreographer. I'm talking to Space Hotel, a.k.a. Paul Timpson, about his song called Ride. Hello, how are you? How are you doing, Austin? I'm okay. How you been with lockdown? Did you get much writing done? Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, two new songs this year during it, which, you know, it doesn't sound much, but it's better than nothing. Oh, it's more than most people. <laughs> mm. In a minute, we're going to listen to Ride. Can you tell us the story behind the song? And is it part of an album or an EP, or is it a standalone single? Right, so yeah, it's the first single from the upcoming debut album, um, which I'm currently working on. And there's going to be another three or four singles for that. Uh, COVID has made me stretch out the single releases. Mm. The original plan has changed, obviously. It was going to be released this year. So anyway, yeah, Ride's been released as a full runner for that. And it's, um, I wrote it back in January 2017, actually. It's a bit older. Okay. Story behind it, well, the lyrics are kind of, I think the lyrics are kind of self-explanatory. Uh, basically about optimism and looking on the bright side of life. Mm. But at the time I wrote it, I was actually, uh, myself, I was going through quite a bit of worry because my now late mother was ill at the time i was worrying about that quite a bit and it was like six months after that that she passed away so it was like a note to self basically you know stop worrying about all the stuff uh, life goes on you know we all get old i mean the lyrics are there hmm. and just try and look on the bright side and seize the day you know and be positive an uplifting song really your musical history how long have you been writing and recording music right um well i started as a kid in the 80s like writing really basic stuff on a keyboard. I got into keyboards really early and uh, then the piano. And I was around about eight years old, I think. 
and I was recording tapes by the time I was 12 but they're really you know humans can't listen to them put it that way so in the 90s I got into a couple of bands I was in a few cover bands playing stuff and I just started more and more wanting to write my own stuff and produce my own stuff so I did my first solo albums back then in the 90s around 97 I went by the name of Outsider then which I changed later because there was too many bands popping up with that name mm-hmm. So yeah, basically since 97 really, when I really seized it and started writing songs with lyrics and Space Hotel has been going since sort of 2008. Mm. So there was a bit of a gap in between while I honed my craft, you know. Do you think The Outsider, the the movie came out not long before that and I think a lot of people use that for their inspiration, you know, The Outsiders. Possibly. I mean, I I didn't know because I was kind of out of the loop a bit. I was, you know, just in my spare bedroom working on music since I was a kid. I didn't really notice all these things, but mine was... Basically, because I just felt like an outsider back then from, you know, the music industry and well, just in general. I'm not that, you know, it's like when you're, an, you know, an angsty young teen. Yeah. I, I wanted to get rid of that. I thought, let's do be something more positive, you know, Space Hotel. And the, the name Space Hotel was actually taken from a sample in one of my songs by that old project. So it all worked out okay. Very cool name, by the way. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Your musical influences from when you were younger until now, how have they changed? And is there one that stayed with you the whole time? Well, the, the first one, which I can't seem to avoid everyone comparing me to, um, even though I try not to, is Duran Duran. Right. As a kid, I really got into their first three albums particularly. And Seven and the Ragged Tiger was like the first album I bought. But I didn't buy it till 1987. I was late to the, the whole Duran party. <laughs> In fact, I remember when they were, they were massive and I, I kind of couldn't stand them at first because everyone liked them. I was like, oh God, not them again. Hmm. You know, I was, a, I was a little kid. I wasn't into music. I was Transformers and Atari, you know. Yeah, so they kind of influenced everything I... I did in, in the early days it was about so the reason I started playing keyboards was because of Nick Rhodes and uh, I mean going back earlier than that would have been the Bee Gees and ELO from my parents I was listening to those albums as a real young kid four years old you know on my mum's record player and I was just blown away by all the production mm. of those late 70s albums it was just awesome uh, and that really made me got my imagination going but I didn't know I was going to do anything with it then Duran came along and it got me into synths. And then as I got into the 90s, I got more into guitars, uh, thanks to, can we say the word Britpop? I don't if know. If you want to. <laughs> it's not a swear word, is it? It's not no, a swear no, word. Not yet. Some people think it is. <laughs> but to me, it was an awesome time. And uh, Blur, Manson, Supergrass, Shed 7, all that lot really influenced me heavily. So I got into guitars and started wanting to be a bit like that kind of thing. And then also, actually, Depeche Mode have been massive. Not so much the 80s stuff. The late 80s, yes, but from Violator onwards into, especially around Ultra Time, I think, when they got really dark with Barrel of a Gun, things like that. So that influenced me as well. And I don't try and copy them or anything, but, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're always in there somewhere. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people feel like they're copying. And, of course, you're not copying. You're, you're learning to mm. make your own sound from it. It's not taking from it that's the whole point of influences yeah exactly I mean yeah the, I, I've had a few people recently actually saying to me oh you're not in, they've actually told me I don't know my own influences which is kind of funny <laughs> they said oh no you, you must have been listening to Dave Gilmore on Night Comes Down because it's got the same guitar I said I've never heard this song you talk about I mean I, obviously I Pink Floyd are cool you know, but I've never actually listened to them that much and I didn't know the song and somebody else the other day said oh this song is more like Alan Parsons Project not <laughs> Uh, Depeche Mode I was like well you know the point of influence is not you're not cloning them you're trying to just they're just what got you inspired to make music really exactly I think it's already in you and you just resonate with what these bands are doing it's not that you go I'm going to copy them now Hmm. yeah I mean you don't turn into your parents you 
change from your parents, but you take what they give you, the, the, the core of it, and you make it your own, yeah. Exactly. We're all unique, I hope. Exactly. Well, yeah, mostly. Mm. What, what are your upcoming plans? Do you have any releases coming out, or do you have any music videos we can look at? We all like music videos. And do you ever do live performances on Facebook or Instagram? I haven't done live since sort of nine, since the late nights when I first started that other thing. And we used to do cover band. I used to play keyboards in a cover band, and then we did a few gigs mm. with that X project I had. Um, and then life got in the way for like eight years started space hotel i've been learning all the studio stuff it takes a long time you know because i basically mix everything and produce so i don't have any help on that so it's taking a long time to you know and i'm still fighting it now i still have trouble with mixing but you know mm-hmm. it's the lifelong challenge so um yeah this like i said this is the first single from the album um and there's another one coming out in november which is completely different a lot more electronic and aggressive and darker and then there'll be one in january so basically every two months until the album pre-order which should be around may next year i hope hmm. um so that's the that's them and that's the videos yes the videos for each of these singles which i would have had done by now but we've we've just been locked down again so i can't get out to the locations i need to get to hmm. to film so ridiculous isn't it? yeah i mean we predicted this second lockdown when the first one was just starting no <laughs> oh, right tell us about all of your social media links so we can all check you out my main one's Twitter, I guess. I'm always on there. That's twitter.com space hotel. I'm usually, I spend most of my time tweeting other people's songs on there, actually. Mm-hmm. A lot of Depeche Mode recently because I've become obsessed again with them. I've been going through all their albums mm-hmm. and watching their live gigs. Awesome. And instagram.com space hotel. And obviously I'm on YouTube as well, but that's space hotel music. And I don't really use Facebook. It's out there, but I don't really use it. It's not very good anymore for bands. I, I like the simple names like yours. I mean, a lot of people have to have underscores and they have to have different things in there because there's so many similar names but yours is totally different no one's going to have the same name i was trying to think earlier on and the only closest one i could come up with was space hog it's not even close <laughs> yeah sometimes i do actually regret because you know i've like i've stuck the two words together haven't i so space hotel because that's what you do with music mm. but it's annoying because when you actually try and voice search for it on um, itunes or something it doesn't understand that you have to because it's one word it doesn't come up as space hotel same as if you google my band name it always shows the results for a space space hotel which isn't me yeah it thinks it knows what you want so i'm kind of thinking oh I should, maybe i should have gone with the two words after all but, but can you imagine what happened if they actually put something like a hotel on the moon and then everyone's talking about space hotel your music would just be remembered forever <laughs> it will be anyway i'm sure that, that does come up sometimes in the results when i click on my own hashtag you know space hotel it's oh okay we, we're gonna get there soon <laughs> they've been saying that for 20 years that's in fr- <laughs> which why i've got that name because i was it came from a documentary back on in the late 90s on bbc they were saying the year is 2020 and this hotel has just been finished a space hotel and i thought that's cool that is cool i had that in the front of a song you know when because it wasn't getting released on mass so it didn't matter about the legalities Hmm. at the time so that's where it came from yeah we still haven't got the space hotels oh not yet not that we know of anyway no is there anything you want to mention or talk about before we play your song not really no i think the music hopefully the music speaks for itself Hmm. i don't like explaining my songs too much uh, unless they're kind of actually the fictional one. I was explaining one last night on Twitter to somebody because it's a it's a fictional one which is rare for me usually I'm writing from personal experience mm. even if I twist it up but this one was kind of a fictional story I had in my head uh, night comes down for those interested mm-hmm. and people think it's a love song when they first hear it but it's, it's kind of a bit darker than that okay so no thank you for this you know 
That's all I can say. I like to find out what songs are about because I usually f- listen to them and I, and I think I know what they're about. But I was talking to somebody recently who was having this big discussion about music and I was, somehow Bonnie Tyler came up, Totally Clips of the Heart, and they were saying, oh, it's this, that, and the other. I said, no, you're wrong. Hmm. The song is about vampires. And she's even admitted that. And, you know, it, it, it's a vampire song. Really? Yeah. Oh, I never, <laughs> never knew that. So next time you listen to Totally Clips, think about it as vampires and it'll make more sense. Yeah. So was that for a film or something or just no. <laughs> just the songwriter did it? I just thought it was just your general 80s power ballad, you know? Yeah, no, it's not. It's about vampires. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is interesting to read, but after you've already formed your own opinion, I don't think you should hit people straight away. Mm. This song is about this because if somebody doesn't like it, they're not going to give it a chance, you know? Yeah. And I love, like, when I've listened to songs, I like to apply it to my own experiences or whatever, other people's songs. You know, I like to think, oh, yeah, I'm often wrong, you know, but whatever. <laughs> it's like when you read a book and then you see the film and it's totally different. A lot of people prefer the book. A lot more detailed the books are usually, and they have to skip a lot of stuff, don't they, in the films? Exactly. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really nice talking to you. Thank you too. That's great. And uh, thank you for your interest, basically. No, thank you. Do you want to introduce your song? This is um, the new single from Space Hotel, a.k.a. me, from the upcoming album, and it's called Ride. Thank you.
to Beth and Seb from Long-Legged Creatures about a song that's coming out next month called Anti-Star Super Christ. Hello, guys. How are you? Cheers. Hey. Thank you. I can't believe I got that right. First go. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) How did you do with the lockdown? Did you uh, get much writing and recording done? Gosh, yeah, we actually did, surprisingly. Good, good. During lockdown, we wrote and recorded an EP in... Well, we recorded it in two days. Wow. Which was a big thing for us. (laughs) Yeah, we Weirdly, quite productive. It was good because we were playing a few projects. It was quite, it was quite interesting seeing like which ones kind of handled the situation, and which ones didn't. But we we kind of came out on top. So I'm liking it when people say that because a lot of people don't. A lot of people say they they couldn't for whatever reason, and it kind of it, it makes you more depressed. Yeah, yeah. This EP that you was working on is the song we're going to listen to coming from that. No, Anti Star Superquest is going to be a single that comes out uh, this year sometime. The EP we're probably planning to have out next year in like the summer, possibly. Okay. Who knows? Who knows at the moment, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. There's there's other there's other bits and bobs of material coming out along the way as well. So I think all together we're sitting on Andy Star Super Christ, like two other singles, and then a six. I don't even know, man. Is it a mini album? I don't know. It's six tracks. It's just over half an hour. But yeah, that'll be out in like summer, hopefully. So there is a through line in the concept with it, but we didn't like start the writing process in some ways all at the same time. So yeah, it's not, uh, I like to think if we did an album, it would have like more of a, more of a, like, I don't know, more of a sound world. That's a little bit more consistent in some ways, mm. but it's, it's still the best body of work. Well, it's our first body of work that we're presenting to the world, but it's, I think it's the, the like, I don't know. I think we're really happy with it yeah. nonetheless. What's the title of the EP again? We don't have one yet. We oh. don't really have one yet. There's been a few titles floating around that I won't divulge into too much. But yeah, it's a collection of music. I think there's two tunes that we sort of semi-wrote um, in like January. And then the rest of it happened over lockdown. Yeah. So hmm. it's, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting difference in like before lockdown and yeah. during. It's like they've almost got a very different kind of pace to them. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, that's interesting because I can't, yeah. I mean, I haven't written any music during lockdown. Uh-huh. I've been doing this most of the time and a few other things, but I've, I've, I've often wondered, does it change how you 
right? Does it change how you see the world? Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that. So that's interesting. So when you say they're slightly different pace, how do you, can you explain that? I mean, is it faster or slower or just general emotional? Bit of everything. Yeah, I think yeah. it was a little bit more digestible to like listen to if you're in a bit more of a calmer mood. Mm. I think a lot of our other tracks that we've written before and we've like gigged with a lot, they're written to be played live and to be danced to. But I feel like the tracks that we wrote over lockdown was, you know, it could be a bit of both. Mm. So slightly more pensive moments here yeah. and there, isn't it? Pensive is the word. <laughs> yeah. The stuff we wrote before lockdown, we were drawing from like fast breaks, some gabba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite high energy. And then, yeah, and then when we went, went to lockdown, like there's, there's one tune that Beth put on the table, which had this technically the same like tempo as like some of the Gabba stuff we were listening to but it was really like, ambient and like there's a lot of like vocal sample like some vocal samples in as well of like bits of speech that we've ripped from places and the kind of atmosphere was much more sort of like looking inwards and I guess we were sort of all looking inwards as well and, and into how we all fit into the ongoing shit show that's happening at the minute and um, with the world and um, I guess I did come out of the music a bit as well, mm-hmm. but and then there's one there's one tune I put on the table which is like, like it was like 150 kind of like more of a medium tempo kind of breakbeat vibe and so it, it, you can definitely tell you can probably tell which tunes are written before and after. Yeah. let us know. It sounds almost like almost like a collage or a scrapbook. I like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> Very interesting. That was the thing with it is like we kind of we had all this music and then we. Would, it's almost like we emptied the jigsaw puzzle out on the carpet and tried <laughs> and tried piecing it together in EP. And then we were actually, oh shit, you know what? Like there is a through line here. This is cohesive. Yeah. There's some thematic, some thematic material throughout that kind of gets repeated a bit here and there. So it does make sense, definitely. Yeah. Okay, cool. How long have you each I'll ask you two because the others aren't here, but how long have you both each been writing music and how long have you been a band? Long Lake Creature's been a band since 2018, but we've had a lot of member changes. We had a keys player and a different drummer in 2018, and now Seb came in playing guitar, and we got in another drummer. But like during that time, we were still like gigging the same material that we were, had written before. Yeah. We've been, as the group that we are now, we've been writing for about a year. It's a little bit more. Bit more than a I year. think it's like probably more like a year and like four months. So mm. I think it's one of them where like the lineup changes happens just because people were trying to work out what it was they needed out of stuff. And now this lineup, everyone, well, from the outside looking in, it feels like everyone's on the same page. Mm. It's always had like an electronic influence, but I feel like now it's more rooted in like, it's actually more rooted in like dance music rather than being rooted in like electronic music, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And I think in terms of sonically what we want out of everything, it's way more cohesive as well. But yeah, I've been playing with the band yeah for about a year, about just under a year and a half. And I knew I've known Beth and Ross, who's um, the brains behind all the production. I've known those guys. I've known you guys for five years now. Something. Yeah. And I used to see. I used to go see Longlegged Creatures. Um, I play. In, I play in a couple of the bands. I remember you guys supported another band that I was in. And I remember just being like, oh, I want to be in that fucking band. <laughs> um, and then you called us up just as... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ed left. Um, the guy who played guitar and keys, he left. And I remember just giving Ross a call. Like, oh man, really sorry to hear about Ed leaving. Like, I hope you guys work out soon. 
and then just being like, oh, do you, do you want to have a little jam soon or something? And then I just sort of, sort of wormed my way in. <laughs> very glad you wormed <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I love stories like that. It's very cool. It hasn't been since 2018 because this was like, I started this project for uni at the very beginning of uni, but it was completely different back then. But yeah. writing from it, I've been writing for it for about five years. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually kind of mental thinking about it. Yeah. This is Brett by Beth's like composition. Like this is the canvas that you use a lot for just your general writing and stuff, right? Mm. Jackson Pollock up. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah there's, there has been some member changes, but I think, I think the member changes have been allowed to happen basically because you're at the, the center of it with like your approach to sonics and composition and stuff. So I think you're the one integral thing, really. Oh, um, that's all right, mate. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? So I think, yeah. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So when did you actually start yourself writing the music or getting interested in music? Mm, kind of like all my life, really. Kind of, hmm. I, I, could, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd be able to put any kind of actual, like specific year or anything on it. I kind of was brought into the world always listening to music I think mm. but yeah I don't know I when think did you start playing like bass when did I, I think I started playing bass when I was 15 right shit so yeah. about uh, nine years ago wait how old am I 24 yeah <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> where am I where am I yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah about, about 10 years yeah ish yeah what about you I have literally never not Played. I mean, I think they started playing. I started playing trombone when I was about five or six. Wow. And I think I picked up guitar when I was like six. Yeah. Yeah. Always playing in like orchestras and punk bands and. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I've been. I think I've been. I think I started writing my own music when I was maybe like thirteen, trying to just get in that headspace and nurture that side of my creativity. Probably, yeah. Probably from about then. And, oh, cool. And then now, oh, yeah. I mean, we all, we all went to music college together and we're all still, you know, driven by feeding our creativity and pushing ourselves as players and as composers and as producers. And yeah. it's kind of all we know, yeah. which is why it's kind of scary at the minute because it all seems a bit under threat. But <laughs> Yes. Okay. Who were your musical influences when you were growing up and how have they changed? And is there one that stayed with you the most? Four. Nina Simone. Listening to this music, you'll think, like, you don't hear any of that. <laughs> There's definitely nothing to do with Nina Simone in this band. But she has stuck by me since forever. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love her classical influence. I kind of grew up on a lot of classical music and then was introduced to Nina Simone and I just thought, yeah, I like that. But then I got into, like, Square Pusher and Mo Selector, <laughs> <laughs> which is very different. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, That's me. Interesting. I grew up listening, just like sort of trading through my dad's record collection, and naturally got a lot into like rock and roll, and like obviously because of guitar, like a lot of Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy yeah. Page, Sabbath. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I'm I'm half Jamaican. My mum is Jamaican, um, so I grew up listening to a lot of reggae and a lot of a lot of like Stax records, Motown and stuff, and a lot of funk, and then. I kind of got really into punk and extreme metal as a teenager. I'm listening to a lot of like hardcore punk and a lot of like death metal and a lot of black metal from Norway and a lot of like grindcore. Along with all that, I was always into like a lot of jazz as well. So that's like kind of where a lot of my 
grounding as a guitar player kind of comes from in some ways kind of referencing that tradition or at least trying to and that's kind of how I sort of keep myself plodding along with guitars like you know transcribing a lot of stuff and but I think in terms of the constant artists like Frank Zappa I was listening to Frank Zappa then I was like you know what I've been listening to him since I was like 12 or something so I guess someone like him Phil Frizzell he's probably my favourite guitar player been listening to him for a long time Miles Davis Coltrane Mr. Coltrane forever as well it's amazing when you get somebody like you say Nina Simone um, and then you go the opposite to Swedish death metal <laughs> <laughs> I love it it's because yeah, you get all this uh, great music coming out of variety and it's it's I love it so much it's really cool yeah well, there's so much music out there I feel like you know yeah you might as well live your life listening to everything yeah <laughs> exactly and I think if you're going to be into like actually be a music fan I think it's always really important to keep an open mind and it's a privilege isn't it because we're, we're, we live in this sort of blurry postmodern world where we can just sort of consume so I'm getting quite deep here if I can, <laughs> we can sort of consume anything that you know you can access anything at a click of a button so I think my variety in musical taste is definitely the, the product of, of all that shit, basically. It's true, though, because I mean, and you could name any band that I've not heard of, and I can just literally go, duh, 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 and I can listen to the back catalogue in, yeah. in seconds, or well, not the whole thing, but find it in seconds. And it's amazing because there's so many people that say band names or they say artists I've never heard of. Yeah. And I say the same back to them, and they've never heard of them, but then they listen to them and go, where have they been? You know, how did I not know about this? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Then you can find out who played with them, then you can find out you know, all the stuff that they played on. And... Yeah. It messes with my memory, though. The yeah. amount of like names and artists bouncing around the place that I have like a week of being really into someone that I've just discovered and then like almost instantly forget yeah. about the albums that I'd... So we have an information overload. Yeah, and yeah. And that's why I always resort back to the ones that I listened to before I had Spotify. Right. Or something yeah. where I actually own the CDs where I'm just like, well, yeah, I know that that's like my favourite. Yeah. And it stays in my memory because it was like long term. Yeah, yeah. But okay. Yeah, I need to memorise everything that I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing with Spotify, you can save it, wouldn't it? Which is useful. Yeah. But it's, it, it kind of removes like a, a ritualistic element out of music and it, like, you know, Getting the vinyl out of the sleeve, lifting the needle up, putting on the deck, mm-hmm. like rolling that zoo or whatever. And, you know, the ritual kind of side of it is all missing a bit, but I don't know. Yeah. It's true because I got through the posts day before yesterday a fresh pressed vinyl from one of my previous guests. And I, well, the first thing I did was I took it out and I, I, <laughs> I sniffed the vinyl. <laughs> seriously if you sniff smell vinyl and it gives you it takes you back to being a child it's ridiculous but it's like sniffing you know like open a magazine you smell the magazine yeah i don't know if i've done that i'll do that next time (laughs) i'm due one i'm i'm waiting for one in the post at the moment what is it i don't know how to pronounce his name it's slingbaum slingbaum it's that he did this crazy marketing thing about this album no one knows who he is but oh. all of his songs were like featuring mad yeah, artists yeah you played a bit of that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Erica Badu Nick Hakeem D'Angelo but yeah. everyone like in the marketing was just like look at all these people I've got on this and the only way you can listen to this is it's to true. get the record but then Covid happened and they couldn't get the records out to anyone because of like it all got oh, delayed shit, so yeah. they had to send the mp3s Oh. of it so I got the mp3 but I was like I don't really want to listen to it because it's kind of 
the whole point was to listen to it on record. Yeah. But I am due that record very soon. Isn't Bjork on it as well? Am I, no. No, Bjork's no, not right. on it. I wish Bjork was on it. Yeah. <laughs> Sing down if you're listening, put Bjork on your next one, please. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> I, I loved that first Bjork album. Yeah. Yes. I've still got it. I bought the CD. I've still got it. Yeah. No, she, you know. She's a fucking lunatic, isn't she? She's so amazingly talented. Yeah. Um, it's quite disturbing. Just to make, you know, I always forget as well. She actually, like, I'm pretty sure she, she, she produces, like, all of her stuff as well. Mm. So it's just, you know, deeply conceptual and incredible and also just amazing sound design. And She's my hero. Yeah, <laughs> she's, definitely, she's definitely one of mine, for sure. Yeah. I love her. Just a shame she yet to uh, disappear for so long. Yes. Musically, I mean. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? I feel like some of the later stuff, I'm not really that into. I think she kind of, I kind of respect that she made the statements that she made and then did take that time off rather than just mm-hmm. churning shit out and it being shit, you know? Happens to a lot of people, though, doesn't it? Yeah. A lot of artists do that. You need a break. Yeah. Okay, what are your upcoming plans in the immediate future? Do you have any gigs planned anywhere locally or do you have any plans to do live streaming videos? Not really. <laughs> you know, you know what? We've, we've kind of had a bit of a, like taken a stance against all that, to be fair. Yeah. We've kind of decided that like there's a lot of bands out there who are getting kind of live stream gigs that are in a, we're in a proper venue, but that are being live streamed, but there's no audience. And we kind of just realized that it's, it just doesn't work for us. Like the kind of music, we kind of write it for uh, an audience to like get really sweaty and dance to and it it just I, we don't think it would translate very well in a way yeah um and like we're quite happy to like write music get creative weigh it out until we can gig again properly i think also as well there's a really strong visual element to non-legged creatures as well and mm-hmm. um, we always have like a like a live visual reel mm-hmm. going that's kind of based around each tune and it's quite conceptual and we don't really play with like the lights on, we just have like these visuals running live. Yeah. And there's it, not a lot of face to us. <laughs> yeah, 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 there isn't a whole lot really, which is kind of how we like it. But I think just because it's like not just a, a not like, you know, it, it's the visual side of it is so integral for us and the, the live show is, is such a massive part of how how we could sort of make an impression on people. Yeah. That it would just be wrong, I think, just to try and like you know, do some, you know, just sit in front of like a Zoom call and or, or however it is that people are recording these live sessions on their webcams or whatever, like, yeah. it's, it's just an injustice to like the vision we have for them. Yeah. What about music videos? Yeah, we do love doing music videos. Yeah. I mean, when this like record comes out, we'll probably start churning them out. But, yeah. But. And like the new single Anti-Star will probably have a music video. The past two music videos I directed and edited It'd be good to, you know, get some other other people doing their own kind of take on it to get like yeah. a different collaboration of visuals and stuff. It'd be really interesting mm. to see other people's take on the music, um, I think. So, but then, you know, at the moment, it's kind of like we're not getting any income from gigs. <laughs> so it's kind of all in our heads and just trying to yeah do what we can. We've been trying to do like more creative, like Instagram content as well. Yeah, really short snippets because we've, I've realised that people's attention spans are pretty short at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of kind of giving them like watches this like kind of crazy amount of 
visuals, but only for like a minute. Just yeah, and have that as like the only thing. It's not like just a snippet of a vid- music video that you can see on YouTube. Just have these kind of like minute long visuals. I quite like that. Yeah. I think that's why they do it on social media. I think they keep it short on purpose because of that exact thing. People get bored very easily. So yeah, it's a very good idea. Yeah. Yeah. What are all your social medias? Yeah, so our Instagram is at Long Long Creatures and so is our Facebook. It's just yeah. Long Creatures. Yeah. Twitter, I think they weren't allowing us to have such a long name. So it was oh, right. Long Legged Cree One. Hmm. Oh, right. <laughs> is that Cree, C R E A? Yeah. Right. Cree One. <laughs> yeah and then youtube's long leg creatures and you can see all of our music videos on there as well okay is there anything else you want to mention or talk about before we play the song yeah how did you find us man it was instagram probably if you didn't have a sponsored ad it would have been hashtags ah right, right. interesting okay so hashtags do work yeah do you have any merch to sell or anything like that not at the moment no not at the minute building up to it <laughs> yeah, we're getting there this is yeah we've got like this moment in time has been kind of hard for us in some ways because like whilst we've been really really creative and recording a lot like the pace we rely quite a lot on live performances so yeah. but when we you know when we get this record out and what do we have, a large UK tour yeah we, we're supposed to go into Europe actually just doing like DIY venues yeah um, with a, a really great artist uh, from Leeds because we spent a lot of our formative years as musicians in, in Leeds that's when we all met as a, a really great um, great artist called Straight Girl yeah and we we're supposed to be going out of them around Europe but all in good time yeah everyone can just hear our singles that have already come out and our music videos and lots of bits and bobs on our Instagram we're most active on Instagram yes yeah. we are that, that is us <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really nice speaking to you. Pleasure. Thanks for having us. We're going to listen to a preview, but the song's not until possibly next month. Is that right? At some point after the next six weeks, I would say. Yeah. Oh, also, needed to say that Antistar Superchrist is in collaboration with a vocalist called Joshua Zero. So yes. check, check him out as well, Joshua Zero. Yeah, he's a good guy, a real freak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. I will. Well, thank you so much. All right. Do you want to introduce your song? This is Andy Star Superprize featuring us long living creatures with our brother Josh Zero. Check it. Let's cut this hyper real cyber real bullshit, baby. Work on what you love. Let's cut this talking no walking politics. You're falling into be a snowflake falling from above. Let's cut this entertainment space station of the wires and dance to the beat of your own hearts. Kick, drop, up. Let's cut this pay to live, sell your time, fuckery. You're free to live, you're gonna die, so let's get blasted on a Wednesday. Tell everything you are all the same, all tiny, insignificant matter. But don't worry, our smallest insignificant chatter. Turn off your location services now to live your life like this. You're an anti-star, super Christ.
attention, I put my red boots on. I don't care what others think, cause bitch, I'm an IT star, super crime. Up and go and have real sex. The spectacle's still here, and so's your politics. Let's give our money to the NHS so we can do drugs till our hearts stop. They're all good people. Let's cut our knife crime and acid attacks and sexual assault. I fucking hate that, fucking hate that, fucking hate that. Let's cut these dietary hierarchical structures here. It's fine to eat meat, but don't be greedy, don't be greedy. It's time for peace and love and unity, so don't fulfill your suit and ease and spend your time on limited.
That was Maslo by the brilliant Elena Mayu. Before that, you heard Heartache with Talk to My Soul. In case you were wondering, the track at the beginning was just me messing about. It's Apple Loops and Samples, and a sample from my favourite interpretation of Joan of Arc from Gene Seinberg in 1957, St. Joan. I want to thank all my guests, especially Isabella Shepherd for the creepy phone call. Thank you, I won't be sleeping tonight. Don't have nightmares, and if you do, make them good.